Hello and welcome to the Flex Hoops podcast. It's Matt St. Jean here with Joe Howie as always. And as you can see, we got some fun new tools to play with. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like I, I don't know if there's any Batman fans here, but the old uh, Tim Burton film when the Joker jumps into the the museum or whatever it is, he's like, where does he get all those wonderful toys? We're back. We got a, a lot of shiny new things to play with this season. Yeah, so uh, for anybody that hasn't seen the news, we are partnering with House of College Hoops and House Enterprise. And um, I'm te- leading stuff up over with Road to the Garden, what formerly Big East Coast Bias. Joe is going to be doing the Providence stuff for them this year under the Flex brand. So we're all partnering with them. We're going to bring you all kinds of Big East content. The Flex is still staying here, just as good as it has always been. And with video so you can see our faces <laughs> if you would like to instead of just listening to us but joe season's almost here this is uh, a week and a half away something like that you know it's the weather's getting a little colder leaves are falling you know the astros are ripping my heart out left and right but <laughs> it's it's time to shift focus for the next uh we'll call it four or five months and be mentally unhealthy because of the providence friars and that's, that's what this is all about being mentally unhealthy for different reasons than we usually are this time. It's because of sports. It's the way it's the, it's the way to do this. And kicking it off, we had Big East Media Day about a week and a half ago. Where, uh, this is about the midpoint between Media Day and the actual start of the season where we got to talk. Uh, or I got to chat a little bit with your Naismith Coach of the Year, Ed Cooley, and the players of last year's Big East regular season champions, in case anybody forgot, just – that would people people know what's up here. Your sweet six, your sweet sixteen bound Providence Friars. Don't let anybody forget that, um, and we'll be we'll fill in that Amica Mutual Pavilion. In, nope, nope. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts a little bit. Don't like that. Don't like that. No. Yeah. So let's let's start here with the Big East preseason coaches poll. Uh, one of the the things that came out with Media Day, Friars picked to finish fifth behind UConn in fourth, in front of St. John's in sixth. And there's a little bit of a gap there between where Providence was in fifth and where UConn was in fourth, which I I personally think was fair. I know we both did our own preseason rankings for Road to the Garden. So where first of all, where did you have the Friars? And then the follow-up, what do you think about where the coaches had them? So in my preseason rankings, you know – I. Here comes the Friar bias. I had them at third. I think that is a little bit generous, but, you know, we are going through more of a reloading year than a rebuilding year. I don't know if you can hear Pip. He is he, he agrees that third is a little bit too generous, but I had the Friars third. I think fifth is fair. Um, I mean, we have to keep in mind here that all five of the starters that Ed Cooley put on the hardwood last season are gone albeit Jared Bynum, as Bill Raftery coined it, was basically a sneaky starter. Like, he came off the bench but played the minutes of a starter. Um, But now he's getting the full-time job. Ed Croswell's another guy who saw a decent amount of minutes but, again, was off the bench. So those two guys are going to have to pick it up this year. But albeit, I think fifth is fair. I think that is fair given the changes in the roster and the offseason and, you know, what other teams have done around us. I'd I'd say fifth is more than fair. Yeah, and I – I put the Friars at sixth for my preseason, preseason rankings. And I think that's because, as we all know, the middle of the Big East tends to jam up quite a lot. And yep. you can drop 
three spots because of one game or jump three spots because of one game, depending on how things end up shaken out. I think the Friars are, I I think there's, they're in the second tier of the Big East. I think that UConn, Xavier, Villanova, Creighton is at the top, although I could accept arguments for any of them being in the middle class, um, depending on how things end up actually shaken out once they take the floor. But that next group of teams from Providence down with St. John's, Seton Hall, and, and Marquette, I think you can order them in just about any way you want and make a pretty good argument for it. And it's just going to be a matter of how that group can actually make the tournament at the end of the year. Yeah, I agree. I think St. John's, Seton Hall, I think you throw Butler in that mix too just because of the coaching yes, shift. Butler I know you're, you're a little higher on Butler than I am, but I just think St. John's, Seton Hall, Butler, Marquette, is going to be that true log jam of teams where it's like you're fighting for your life and you're scraping and clawing every single night for a win. Like those are the teams where one bad loss in like the heart of February is going to kill you. Yeah. And the teams, the teams that finished eighth and ninth in the big East this year are probably going to be pretty good. If things pan out, obviously there's injuries and every team looks good on paper. Every, every player got better this off season until they start playing and, some of these guys just didn't, or they got as much better as the defenders going against them. So we'll see what happens when that actually um, plays into it. I do think, and we I, we touched on this in the Road to the Garden stuff, but I haven't gotten your thoughts on it. So I want I want to hear your thoughts on the order of the top of the Big East here. So first, <laughs> Creighton getting picked for first place. They got eight of the ten possible votes that they could have gotten. You can't vote for yourself for these polls. Xavier comes in a second with two first place votes. Villanova in a third with one. This is the first time that Villanova has not been in the top two in the preseason poll in the new Big East. Uh, one point separates Xavier and Villanova in second and third here, and then UConn there in fourth. Do you agree with how that shakes out? I know a lot of my uh, Friar friends that, you know, I don't talk to live on the, on the flex are not going to like this because I, I mean, even the people on the flex know this. I don't like Xavier. I don't like Fremantle. I didn't like steel. I agree with the the top three in the coaches poll. In fact, really, I'll read you my top four in my yeah, personal man. rankings, Creighton, Xavier, Providence, Villanova. So really you're just swapping out Providence and Villanova in the coaches poll, but Creighton, I think, you know, puts together the best argument with respect to what happened in the off season and the momentum that they built up at the end of last season for first place. I think that was a clear, the clear first place choice. I think between two and three and four, it gets a little murky, but Xavier returns more of a roster than Villanova does. And Xavier mm-hmm. takes what was not the best coaching system and brings in a coaching system that has proven to work where you kind of have an inverse of Villanova where you have bits and pieces of Mm -hmm. a roster that was built up from Jay Wright, but you're losing Jay Wright and you're bringing in Kyle Neptune, who's a career 500 head coach at Fordham. So I think Villanova is appropriately placed at third, Matt. I know you have different thoughts on that, but I think one, two and three is correct. And I think it's, there's a lot. I've heard a lot of differing strong opinions on how the top of the biggie should look this year. Cause I know we disagree. And I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't think we had a single one of these teams in the same place. I have yeah. Villanova as my preseason number one, in large part because I think 
they have they have a crazy amount of talent on that team, and it's easy to forget because a lot of the guys redshirted. And like Kevin Ollie won a championship at UConn with <laughs> yeah, the leftovers did. of the previous regime, and it's like I have to think Neptune's better than that, and this team is better than that one was on paper. Depending yeah. on the, there's an injury situation going on there with a lot of guys banged up. But when healthy, I think Villanova has as much or an argument for that number one spot as Creighton does. Because this is a Creighton team that was not good until the postseason last year. They were middle of the pack. That's you want to hear, I, I was going through stuff. I mean, Seton Hall and Providence were well ahead of Creighton in Ken Palm at the end of the regular season. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, and then I'll also throw in, I, I'm not that optimistic about Xavier. For as much as the coaching change is awesome, uh, the players also were a part in the fact that this team fell apart at the end of the season. And the core players for a paint defense that was awful are back. Uh, Zach Fremantle already got suspended for a short amount of time. And yeah, you know why he got suspended. Yeah. Um, and then you've got a whole bunch of guards who I don't, feel confident in any of them to give me 30 high quality minutes against the East opponents. And it's like, I mean, because Xavier's a tournament team. Oh no. Like I'm not, they have a lot of talent. This is all relative to the expectations, but to me, they're nowhere near first place in the big East. They're closer to fifth place in my eyes. And then I, Sorry, you take Travis Steele out of the driver's seat, and all of a sudden Xavier's a tournament team in the national media's eyes. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. No disrespect hey. to Travis Steele, but totally disrespect to Travis Steele. Yeah, you can take uh, you can take Travis Steele out of Xavier, but you can't take the Travis Steele out of the players. Is <laughs> <laughs> the issue there? Um, and then I just like people are going to hate hearing you talk up Xavier. I know Providence fans are going to hate to hear me say this. Don't do it. Dan Hurley did kind of a good job this offseason, and UConn looks really good on paper, and they made all kinds of really good adjustments from the mistakes that have haunted them the last two years, and they got a really good center there. And I don't, I don't, I have UConn third in my preseason poll in the Big East. I don't have them, but like if I had to pick between UConn or Xavier, if I, one of those two teams to be a surprise to win the Big East, I would pick UConn. All right. So give me. Before we dig into that, just give me your rankings top to bottom and I'll give you mine. I want to see the discrepancies. Uh, oh boy. I had, I, I actually have to pull it up here because I don't remember it off the top of my head. But I know it went Villanova Creighton as the top two. Okay. UConn Xavier as three and four. I have Butler as high as five just because I really like Thad Mata and okay. I really like the talent that comes in there. And this is also because of the fact that five through nine to me or razor fit so any of these teams from five through nine bumping up and down like All it right. doesn't mean much so i've got butler five providence six seton hall as at seven marquette at eight st john's at nine georgetown at 10 and depaul at 11 all right so i the my, the bottom half of my order looks relatively similar to yours i have creighton one xavier two mm-hmm. providence three Villanova four, Connecticut five, Butler six, Seton Hall seven, St. John's eight, Marquette nine, Georgetown ten, Sac shit eleven, DePaul twelve. <laughs> you really don't like DePaul this year, huh? It's not that I don't like DePaul. I actually, I, I, I feel badly saying that now. I'm having immediate regret because I like Coach Stubblefield. 
I think Stubblefield is an energetic guy, and you can see when they did um, that in the locker room halftime, whatever that was, the, the mic'd up game with him, you can see like he puts his heart and soul into coaching. Um, I just – there's something about that program that, that – the, yeah, they it's lost. my skin, girl. I don't know what it is. And they, I mean, the guy who they were supposed to be building around right now left to another team in the conference. Like, yeah. you can't. That's not on Stubblefield. They just wanted him no. in St. John's, and he wanted to play with um, Joel Soriano. You can't do anything. Yeah. I think they're making the most of a bad situation there in year two for him. But I, yeah. I don't know how good that team is going to be. St. John's, I think, is really interesting this year. Um if you want to hear my full thoughts on all of these, by the way, go check out the 12 Days of Big East Miss on Road to the Garden. I'll let yep. you take up a little more time explaining here. But I I want to get your reaction on this statement that I was made uh, talking about Seton Hall. Okay. I think I will guarantee that one of Seton Hall or Butler will make the tournament. At least one of those two. Okay. I, I, you know what? I don't hate that statement. If I had to pick, I would say that it's Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. Only because... Actually, no, no, you know, I'm going to stick with the pro-Seton Hall argument. Shaheen Holloway mm-hmm. is now a tournament-tenured coach. <laughs> All it took was last season. Shaheen Holloway is a tournament-tenured coach. Mm-hmm. He brings in a couple of key pieces back, right? Mm-hmm. We know he has good stuff. Butler... And again, it's I, I don't want to chalk it up to coaching, but Butler has gotten into the habit the past couple of seasons of just completely shitting the bed. And Seton Hall, even, you know, it was it it was clear as day, um, what's his name? Willard was checked out last year and they still mm-hmm. made the tournament just because of the players that they had in the in the na- the name Seton Hall. Yeah. Miles Powell, as controversial of a player as he was, put Seton Hall on the map nationally. And mm-hmm. We see it with Villanova year in and year out. We might see it a little bit with Providence this year. Once you get that national attention and you make some noise in March, the media, the selection committee, they kind of they give you those nods. I think Seton Hall will get that nod over Butler. The chance of Butler getting into the tournament, I think, will be done at Madison Square Garden. I think Seton Hall can do the work before that second weekend in March to earn an at-large. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, and then I'll add on to that with some of my reasoning for that. Yeah, that it. Seton Hall is basically all upperclassmen. The entire roster is all upperclassmen. And it's Shaheen Holloway, who's a really good defensive coach. Yep. It's like I look at it, and it's a bunch of veterans who are long, very tall, big team. And that team should play elite defense. Like They yeah. should be a top three team in the Big East in defense this year. Yep. And that alone, if you're that good at defense, if any, if the scoring comes from anybody, then you should be all right. Butler last year, that they were a team that could not shoot the ball. I think they're going to be a little bit better this year, adding Eric Hunter there. And Eric Hunter is an elite defensive guard. Manny Bates is an elite defensive center. And they have a whole bunch of guys in the middle that can do a bunch of stuff. They're a little bit streakier. I think yep. I'm buying into the upside there. When I say fifth, they could finish ninth and it wouldn't surprise me. But they have, I think, five different guards on that team who have hit 20 points in a college game at least once. Okay. And they're all inconsistent. One's coming back from injury. You got young guys. Eric Hunter is a guy who really only did that last year. Like, whether any of them can do it consistently is very much an open question. But it, 
for both of these teams, I think you're going to see really good defense. Yeah. And that means that if any of the scoring shows up, if you get development there, if you get second year leaps from some of the guys they got at Butler, all of a sudden, some of these games that were defensive slugfests that you're losing 65, 55 last year, now you're winning those games. Yeah. And that's the difference. I, it probably doesn't happen overnight for both of them, but Seton Hall was also a pretty good team last year. I mean, they yeah. finished, they were, they finished the regular season top 35 in Ken Palm and then dropped out of the top 50 because they scored like 42 points against TCU in the tournament. Contrary to um, Kevin Willard's statements to the press last <laughs> season, Seton Hall was actually a, a, a decent team. Uh, <laughs> God, I, I yeah, forgot, and- I forgot that was a thing. Yeah, and now Kevin Willard's at uh, Maryland wreaking havoc for Georgetown right now by recruiting all the guys <laughs> the Hoyas want. So, yeah, that's he's still playing a factor. And the Friars may see him this year. So I hope they do. I, I really may not be done do. with may not be done um, with Kevin Willard. I know we're going to talk about the preseason um, polls. Yeah. Uh, not the polls, the, the first team, second team, and all that, the honors. Before we do that, though, I have one more question for you on the rankings. Yeah, because you mentioned about how the national honors and attention played in the Seton Hall. There's a Providence team that is not returning any starters. It's all transfers come in. It's all new guys, and they finished seventh in the preseason poll last year. Do you think that that Coach of the Year award for Ed Cooley is making them go up further in the rankings than they might otherwise? I think yes. Um, I, I think that's kind of the obvious answer. Is that when you come back into a season, regardless, uh, and literally worst case scenario, you lose all five starters. You bring back the Big East coach of the year, the Naismith coach of the year, and not to mention the former Big East top dog coach, Jay Wright, is now gone. So not only does the media have Ed Cooley's accolades in the back of their mind, they're now looking for someone to replace Jay Wright as the face of the Big East. And you know, anytime that that man gets in front of a camera, Ed Cooley is going to pump up the Big East like it's nobody's business. So okay. I think you're spot on with that take, Matt. I think Cooley being the reigning coach of the year definitely gives Providence some media credibility. Um, I also think he is an objectively good coach. I know yeah. here and there people have called for his job. We've I've definitely been guilty of you know ripping on him a couple of times here and there, and I think that comes with being a fan. But if you look at the body of work that he's put in during his tenure at Providence, he's a really good coach. And if there is to be this Jay Wright replacement in the conference that the national media looks at as the face of the of the Big East, it should be Cooley. It should yeah. be Cooley. It should be you know Coach McDermott from Creighton if they're looking for more a couple of faces. It should be those two. They're the senior coaches in the conference now, and also the way they address the media is with all class. Like you never yeah. see. Ed Cooley pulling a Dan Hurley ripping on the officials or a Kevin Willard looking for X, Y, and Z excuses why they couldn't play. He, he always addresses the officials and the media with class and with the utmost respect. It, 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 it 100% is playing a role in why Providence is getting that. Yeah. Oomph. And as it should, it's earned. This isn't, this yeah. isn't meant to be a slight or anything. It's, oh no, absolutely not. Yeah. You earn the benefit of the doubt when you, you, make these accolades happen that's the difference here i mean in a lot of ways this this providence team this year is just as it's every bit as unproven as the team was last year the difference is now you have the coach of the year that's and that also i think probably plays into some of the transfer rankings too with guys coming in yeah if they trust the coach then they're going to trust his judgment on bringing guys in and they're going to get a little bit more bump than they might at other places yeah yeah Uh, 
so we're going to talk about some of the players in the um, the preseason teams. But first, we have an ad read for you. Something new uh-huh. this year. Uh, we've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets. And they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download their app, and use the code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. You can see that right down there on the ticker if you're watching the video version of this. So definitely go do that. I might I might use that to get myself some Pat's Jets tickets for this weekend. If you know me, I this this, this if you know me personally, <laughs> this, this ad is not in here for the reason that you think it is. Um, for those who don't know me, my girlfriend Katie <laughs> works for SeatGeek. We did not use her to get this. Uh, we did not no, use her to is, get this promo code. She actually no, is, she only found out about it a few days ago. Yeah, this is from House of College Hoops. But yes, go definitely download SeatGeek. Great app. Um, let's talk about the the players here in the Big East. I'll run through the honors here. Um, honestly, I'll run through it, and you stop me when you want to say something about whatever it is that I'm saying. Okay. The, the Big East preseason player of the year is Adama Sanogo from UConn. I the think he's – yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was, I was going to say, I, I I think that's fair. I just yeah. – I, I listen, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. I don't like UConn. I don't like Villanova, but – who else is the choice here? It, it's got to yeah. be Sonogo. I got. I sent my vote in for for our road to the garden stuff for Cockbrenner just because okay. I was like everybody's going to vote Sonogo, so I want to throw out somebody else here, first team guy and defensive player of the year, or was he yeah. second team last year? I don't remember. He's clearly in the league. I think it's going to come down to the forwards this year, probably Sonogo, Cockbrenner. I think you could throw a Nunji in that conversation potentially, yep. depending on the type of season he has and. Depending on what Providence and Villanova do, Eric Dixon, Ed Croswell, based on what, what looks like we've seen in some of the, the exhibitions, maybe Rafael Castro <laughs> are getting into this conversation. Castro looks good, man. I mean, this is yeah. that we're going to get two in the weeds with that, but he is, he looks like to, he's going to be a treat. Yeah. So you, there's a lot of really good centers and forwards in the Big East. And I, I feel like the player of the year is going to come from that group unless a guard really surprises. I agree. Um, yeah. The preseason freshman of the year, uh, Cam Whitmore at Villanova. Uh, he's a projected lottery pick right now. The last mock draft I saw had him at number seven. So if he's going at seven, I'm surprised if he isn't the freshman of the year. Uh, your first team, Ryan Kalkbrenner from Creighton, Jared Bynum from Providence, Posh Alexander from St. John's, Colby Jones from Xavier, and Jack Nunji from Xavier. Any thoughts there? So that's where I'm going to stop you. I agree with three out of the five, and I think you know the three that I agree with. Can I can I take a guess here? Yeah. Well, I know I I, I feel pretty confident in Bynum and Colby Jones. No. Wow. So is it going to be Bynum, Colbert, and Nunji that you agree with, and Colby Jones no. is here? No, I agree with Colbert, with Bynum, mm-hmm. and with Posh. Really. I think if you're going to put a Xavier player in the first team all conference selection, it's one or the other because Jack and G is very good. Colby Jones is very good, but is also going to be asked to do more this year. So mm-hmm. we don't know how good he's going to be without Scruggs in the backcourt with him. So mm-hmm. I think you got to pick one or the other. You can't have two Xavier guys in, in the first team all conference. And I know that's completely contradictory to what I said before about Xavier being number two and returning everybody and bringing in a new coach. I don't think they have two first conference caliber players. And 
if he was healthy, I think you got to put Justin Moore in first team in place of Colby Jones, I would say. I'd see. I- I would actually have Justin Moore on first team if he was healthy, but instead of Posh Alexander, that's the way I would do it. Um, I but if you could tell from my preseason poll, I'm not high on St. John's. No, you're not. I I mean, I'm not either. Like, I think St. John's and Providence, especially the past couple seasons, have developed somewhat of a chippy rivalry. I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's like a a Providence UConn or like any. It's it's nothing towards the top, but there's definitely a little bit of, of chip and. You know, a little rigidness when the two teams play. I don't know what it is, and I'm absolutely yeah. manifesting a Bynum posh <laughs> rivalry and hatred this year. Absolutely manifesting that. But we're gonna get uh, Bynum versus Posh at Madison Square Garden. I'll that's gonna happen this year. That's gonna be a fun one. That's that's during the, the two weeks where uh, girlfriend's <laughs> gonna hate me because it's Valentine's Day, but it's also the heart of conference play. <laughs> I'm if I'm remembering correctly, because we talked about this before, the way that that week goes is Providence St. John's on Saturday, at Madison Square Garden. Yes. Sunday is the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Tuesday is Valentine's Day, and also Providence against Creighton. Creighton. Yeah. And then the following Saturday is Providence against Villanova, and we're both planning on going to that one. And then the following Tuesday is Providence against Connecticut. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a loaded week right there. Uh, apologies in advance to everybody who's either Valentine's day plans are ruined by that game or more importantly whose providence plans are ruined for that night um, i think i fall into the ladder of those uh selections <laughs> unfortunately yeah we'll see how that goes uh the one let's talk about this though jared bynum getting put on the first team all big east i think that's very deserved i i would say so too and i think um jared bynum really lit it up especially in the second half of conference play last year i think that buzzer beater at Xavier really put him on the map. And then I think the 30 plus point performance at Georgetown when he hit seven threes in a row kind of sealed the deal. What I think knocked him from first to second team last season. Excuse me. Oh my God. Just choked choked on air. What I think knocked him from first to second team last season was the inconsistency. He did have somewhat of a, a minor injury in the beginning of the season. I think if you had that Jared Bynum that you had for 75% of conference play for the entirety of the season, he's a very easy first-team selection, and I think that's what coaches are expecting out of the senior this year. Not to mention with Al Durham, A.J. Reeves, Justin Manaya all gone, Bynum is now this backcourt like leader. There's no one else on the, on the floor aside from Alan Breed, who's been through the system as long as Jared Bynum and who's been as effective and impactful in the system as Jared Bynum. Yeah, no, I, I think that's all very fair right there. And I also think last year it was a loaded, loaded guard group in yeah. the Big East too. And I think there's probably three or four guards that had a pretty that had a good claim for first team. There's only so many spots to yeah. go around. That's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles. I got a piece of trivia for you here. All right, let me hear it. Or, or a question. I want to see if you can get this. What is the last season that Providence did not have a member of the preseason first team. I'm going to need an answer. 2017-2018. Ding, ding, ding. You nailed nailed it. it. Absolutely nailed it. Kyron Cartwright was second team. Uh, I I believe that is correct. Uh, Yes, and Rodney Bullock. Yep. They had Nate Watson, 
a season ago, David Duke the year before that, and then a Diallo in back-to-back seasons. So you got you got to go back pretty far to find the last time they didn't have somebody on this list. That's what I was doing last year. I knew it was Watson the year before that Duke, and then I gave Diallo the benefit of the doubt for back-to-back, and then yeah. I was like, Cartwright did not get first team, and neither no. did Bullock. So I was like, nope. I knew it. All right. Well, that was a good. That was that. a good question. That took Thank me a minute. You. Thank you. That well done on that one. Yeah, they've they've had a history of this, so I think that's part of it. Guards always do well in the Ed Cooley system. Yeah, um, point guard I college. Think, I think it would be a surprise if Jared Bynum isn't the first team guy, and I don't I don't know if he's going to be a player of the year type contender. I don't know if he's going to rise to that level. I think I think he has the opportunity to do that. It might be tough. I um, I think what you said before, Matt, could actually play a role um, in Bynum being a Big East Player of the Year candidate. You said that, um, and I'm going to butcher this because I forget what you said verbatim, but you were saying along the lines of it's a very forward-heavy class this year. You know, if we're looking at, you know, way too early Big East Player of the Year candidates, you're going to pick a forward. You're going to pick a Kalkbrenner or a Sonogo or a Nunji because those are the guys that have proven to this point that they're at that caliber. But Mm -hmm. the guard class is essentially wide open. Now that Colin Gillespie's gone, he kind of had that monopoly for a couple of seasons. Now yeah. that he's out of the way, that like there's a stream of new guards that are good and talented that can fill this Big East Player of the Year guard role. So and if, it's and it's not just Gillespie too because you got a guy like R.J. Cole who was really yeah. good last year. He's out of that. Uh, Champagne was kind of in the guard forward discussion. Uh, yeah. However, it is you're gonna put him in there, but he always got in that. Um, and Justin Moore, whatever he looks like this year, I don't think you can assume he's going to be a first team type guy like he usually is. No. Um, so yeah, it absolutely is wide open here. You're spot on. And the, now the bar is lower for him to get into the conversation. Yeah. yeah. So if Bynum pieces together, you know, a, a, a really, really good season and he performs consistently to the level that we saw during conference play last year, I'd yeah. say that, that he has a, a, a shot at Biggie's player of the year. Now, yeah. granted, it's October 27th that we're recording this, and this isn't going to be decided until, what that what is that, March, March. 13th, that, that yeah. second weekend in March. So a lot can change. Bynum could have a, a, a lay a goose egg and not have a good season. Bynum could blow our expectations and have a great season. So I think a lot has to change. But if he's going to put out the type of performance that we saw last year, I think he he damn well has a shot. Yeah, no, I think you're you're absolutely spot on. And if you're looking for a guy who kind of has that same same size and ability of somebody like a Bynum winning conference awards and getting all that hype, you're gonna you're gonna hate me saying this, but the guy you're gonna look at is Marcus Howard. <laughs> that small guard, he's probably not gonna play a ton of defense, but who can shoot the lights out and, and play electric basketball on offense. If Bynum can be the three-point shooter he was in February last year, he can capture that and do it over a full season or even close to that for a full season. He's going to be right in the thick of that Big East Player of the Year campaign, and the Friars are going to be a very good team because <laughs> they're going to play better defense around him than Marquette did around Howard. Yeah. I actually, Matt, surprise, I don't hate Marcus Howard. I hated Andrew Rousey when he was on Marquette. I could Fair. not stand him. The one thing... <laughs> That drove me nuts about Marcus Howard is anytime he was having a bad game, that Achilles injury would pick up. His elbow was bothering him <laughs> a little bit, and he would get carted off into the locker room like LeBron James. And then all of a sudden, Marquette makes a run, and they're taking the lead, and out comes Marcus Howard from the tunnel, and he's feeling better, and Wojo's 
cursing off the refs. It, it, it was it was like so scripted. I hated. It. That's what I hated <laughs> about Marcus Howard. I actually thought that off the court he handled himself well with the media. He was a very classy guy to the coaches, which I always appreciate. So right. I didn't hate him, but I hated the aura around him. Yeah, those are weird, weird Marquette teams too. Everything yeah. about them was weird. I think Shock is smart. It's just a huge improvement culture-wise. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, as annoying as Shock is smart can be, it's all in. It's all very genuine. You <laughs> know, it's all yeah. who he is, and yeah. he's going to get guys to buy in. So yeah, um, but yeah. So that's that's probably the mold for Jared Bynum to be one of those guys. We'll see if he can live up to it. That's it for Friars that we're going to talk about on these lists, though. The second team, uh, there's an extra spot because there was a tie in the voting. It's going to be uh, a couple Blue Jays, Arthur Kaluma and Ryan Nemhard there, Kaderi Richmond from Seton Hall, and then three guys from Villanova. Who this, this is this is the only guys from Villanova that made first or second team. They're all second team. Caleb Daniels, Eric Dixon, and Justin Moore all on that one. And while we're talking about this, I'll throw in the honorable mentions. Chuck Harris from Butler, Baylor Shireman from Creighton, and Cam Whitmore from Villanova. I agree just going down the line here because I have it open in front of me. Kaluma, yes. Nemhard, yes. Richmond, yes. Moore, yes. Daniels, no. Dixon, no. And the reason I say that is because last year, Caleb Daniels was not the guy. Eric Dixon was not the guy. Were they good players? Yes. I'm not going to argue that. They were good players. They were not the guy. And with Justin Moore's early injury and the uncertainty around some of the freshmen, if you're asking Caleb Daniels to play point guard, that's a transition for him because he played primarily off the ball last year. I I mean – I mean, only off the ball. I don't think I ever saw him running the point. I think I think he only did that when uh, Colin Gillespie was off the floor. If there were situations where Moore and Gillespie are off the floor, Daniels would handle it, which he did yeah. when those guys were hurt too. When Moore went down in the tournament, and then when you saw before when Gillespie was hurt the year, like it's he's done it, but never for more than like five or ten minutes a game. But it was never his his job. Job. He was he was a yeah. rental. So. Yeah. I think that is uh, that. Here we go. Here we're talking about the the name bias. That's the Villanova bias bumping those two guys in there. Eric Dixon, I think, is a fine player. Like he he's very sim he's very similar to Ed Croswell, where he's that undersized center, really a power forward that plays the five spot. What bothers me about Eric Dixon is he's going up against Cockbrenner, Nunji, Sonogo. Like he's not the type of center that's going to overpower any of those three and if those three guys are first team caliber big east player of the year caliber and eric dixon is struggling to 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 compete with them i think you got to bump him down to at least an honorable mention or off the second team i would put chuck harris on the second team though in place of one of them well i think part of this too is that with it being there being so many good forwards. I mean, they got two true centers on the first team and Sonogo is not even on it because he's player of the year. So somebody has to be a center on that second team. Yeah. I think, I think Daniels is a fine pick for that. Uh, he could be worse with the bigger role of the series. He might not be able to handle it with it. You never know. Maybe he finds his groove and takes it to the next level. I was a little bit surprised to see Brandon Slater, not on here from Villanova. Oh, I thought, I thought that's he might, missing. But he might get a nod. Um, 
I also think the guy, one of the guys we haven't talked about in some of this stuff is Cam Whitmore in general for Villanova. He's such a shoe in for the freshman of the year that he doesn't get discussed for some of the other stuff. But he seems like the kind of guy who, if he's as good as people say he is, he could be first team. He could be in the talk for player of the year. He probably won't be, but if he is a lottery pick and he is the leader of a Villanova team that might be looking for one, depending on what they get out of Justin Moore, all of a sudden, like this is a, that could shift the conversation. But is there anybody you can think of that you think should have been on this list, should have been in these honorable mentions that didn't get listed? Um, Chuck Harris, I think definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got the honorable mention there. I, yeah, this is going to come out of left field. Kudus Wahab, I think. I like that. I think is a ceiling. Like this is his absolute ceiling. Is like the last person on second team. Just because yeah. he's not going to be the type of player that's going to power Georgetown to a, a top five finish, mm-hmm. but he is the type of player that helped power Georgetown to a Big East tournament championship. Albeit yeah. it was COVID year, no fans, whatever excuse you want to throw at that, he was a very big part in that run. And yeah. I think him coming back to Georgetown is huge for Patrick Ewing. It's huge for the Georgetown brand and the whole aura of Georgetown producing these fantastic five men, centers, whatever you want to call it. Kudus Wahab, I, I think, is slept on as one of the better big men in the Big East. So mm. he wasn't in the Big East last season, but I think he, he's a guy that, that should deserve a, somewhat of a nod when looking at all-conference honors. I like that. And I think, yeah, if somebody's going to do it from Georgetown, it'll probably be him or Brandon Murray. Those are the two yeah. names. Uh, those guys who could jump up. I'll throw out another name here, and that's Eric Hunter from Butler. I like okay. him a lot. And he was too. he shot the three ball like 40% last year and was a uh, Big Ten defensive player of the year caliber guard. Mm-hmm. And if he brings that over and Butler's a good team, he's going to get at least second team nods. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually ends up being better than Chuck Harris this year. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we'll see how that all breaks out. It's funny, too, when you look at old teams and the preseason stuff, you can understand why guys end up there, but there's guys who just totally fall off. Zach Fremantle was all Big East first team last year. Don't don't wind me up. Don't wind me yeah. up on Fremantle. Don't. And then, I mean, he's not there anymore, and he wasn't at the end of the season because he didn't he didn't earn it. He was not got, he wasn't that good last year. But there's seems like there's always one guy who really underachieves and one guy who really overachieves, and that'll Rodney Bullock. Yeah. I, th- I think if you For want both? like. <laughs> for, for both if you want to look at the prototype for the guy who has you know all these preseason accolades that winds up not doing anything i mean bullock it, it, it is very similar to Fremantle in that sense i think Fremantle is much worse when it comes to barking at the refs looking for fouls like bullock would kind of just zone out and disappear on the floor sometimes which was yeah. odd but he's the type he's that type of player where he would be a, pre, a, a preseason all-conference selection, whether it be first team or second team, and then wouldn't even get honorable mention at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, uh, just because of inconsistencies. And that's where a couple games during the season will really swing, not just the overall rankings and standings, but the conference awards. Just yeah. one or two good performances can be the difference there. And also, I think consistency really matters. Uh, that's where I think I mean, there's a lot of young players in the league who, if they take a leap, it's going to be, we're going to look back and say, wow, I can't believe they didn't even. Yeah. Uh, Adama Snoga was an honorable mention last year in the preseason. And now here he is as preseason player of the year. He's made that leap because he developed. 
I don't know. Yeah. Look at a, I look at like Seamus Lacocious at Butler. He's able <laughs> to keep shooting the way he did, or Cam Jones at Marquette. Kind of those sleeper guys. Uh, Devin Carter from Providence, bringing it back to the Friars, uh, and Bryce Hopkins. Both guys who, if they develop the way people think they can, if Rafael Castro <laughs> looks as good as he has in the exhibitions, like um, if they develop, then it's going to be crazy to leave him off. Yeah, I, I mean. I think you and I can both make the case for anyone on this Friars roster being an all-conference selection just based on bias. Alan alone. But Reed, I, I, baby. First team. <laughs> talk, talk to your children about pre, about first team All-Big East, Alan Breed. First team free throws, Alan Breed, because Clutch. he came out with, with, the, with the nuts on, at the line. Excuse my French here, but during that Xavier <laughs> game, man, it's a triple overtime. It's 1130 oh, yeah. at night. The dunk is leaking. And Alan Breed's taking free throws like he's alone in the gym. Love it. Yeah, amazing stuff from him. Um, yeah, Which that leads me into this. We're not going to do a full preview or anything here. Um, we're going to do that for Road to the Garden. It should come out next Wednesday. And that'll be in the Flex feed as well. It'll be in both feeds. So you can go listen to that if you would like to then. We'll be about 20 minutes. We're going to hit the highs and the lows and what you need to know for Providence this season. So that'll be our our preview there. But this kind of gives you a taste of how we're feeling about some of these guys and the conference as a whole. I'm I'm really excited for this to get started. Uh, uh, I'm I'm eager, Matt. This is, from a Providence standpoint, you know, I think – this season is a little bit different than others. Um, yeah. There were years when, you know, uh, I think of the transition between the 2017-2018 team to the 2018-2019 team when you lost Cartwright, when you lost Lindsay, when you lost Bullock, when you lost Emmett Holt due to surgery and injury. I think when you look at that transition, there was a lot of uncertainty because you were bringing in young, raw talent. Not a lot of transfers, yeah. just young guys. I think you saw the same uncertainty when – you jumped from that 2019-2020 Luan Pipkins-led team to the David Duke-led team. There was yeah. a lot of uncertainty because you're losing a lot of pieces. I think this season very well can fall into that mold where Providence sits middle of the pack, lower middle of the pack, around 6, 7, 8, and they're struggling to figure it out. But I also think we have the foundation in Bynum and Croswell. I think mm-hmm. Cooley's you know, upped his coaching chops this season. And mm-hmm. I think instead of bringing in this – young raw recruit talent you're bringing in transfer talent from power conference schools like kentucky south carolina louisville that's no joke like these aren't guys out of high school these are guys that have played at the d1 level that uh, that have shown on the hardwood that they can play can it transfer to conference play in the east where you know you're getting a completely different brand of basketball who knows we're gonna find that out but i think there's a lot to be excited about when you look ahead into this season yeah. And if we want to zoom out to an even bigger picture, too, you talk about the transition. Jared Bynum's, I think he's gone after this season. So you're going to yeah. have to make another guard jump. And Noah Locke's going to be gone. And you're going to lose uh, Clifton Moore. And I think Ed mm-hmm. Croswell after this season. Uh, I have to do look at some of the actual scholarships and the math on some I, of that. Because some of those guys might have an extra year. I, I, I know Locke does. Yeah. Locke and Moore are for sure gone after this year. Yep. And. So there's going to be kind of another transitional year after this one. So as important as it is for Providence to be good this year, and obviously we want them to win, you also should have an eye towards the future because there's a lot of young guards. And yep. you don't, if, if you can avoid having a stopgap year or an adjustment year in there and you can go from Al Durham to Jared Bynum to whoever that next guy is without a break and make it yep. work and be a tournament team – 
that's how you really build a program. And that's, that's how you earn coach of the year multiple times and go to Sweet 16s multiple times. That's a great point, Matt. This is where coach of the year is earned. And I know that sounds weird because he already has the trophy in the case. But you look at that 2017-2018 team, they give Villanova a run for their money in the Big East Tournament Championship game. They make the tournament. Next mm-hmm. year, NIT team. Next year, all right, Providence rattles off six wins, beats five ranked opponents in a row, and is a slated seven seed, seven seed in the tournament before COVID sweeps the rug out. All right, then you come back. Again, you miss the tournament, and your season ends by the hands of DePaul Wednesday night of the Big East tournament. Come back after that, you're going to the Sweet 16. If you look at the, the trend of what these teams have done, this team is supposed to not be good this year. They're supposed yeah, to go right be- back down into the basement. This is yep. where that Naismith coach of the year trophy, that's where it's really earned is if you and, can take the momentum and keep it going. Yeah. And that reputation around it. Cause there's yeah. a very bit, like you talk about there's guys, it's like, Oh, you talk about coach of the year. And it's like, oh, I remember that season. They were so good that season. Yeah. And there's other coaches where you talk about and you say, Oh yeah, he's a coach of the year type guy. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that's, and that's, that's, and obviously winning championship or, ships plural is part yeah. of that which i don't know i mean we don't know where providence is going to be with that but starting with being a perennial sweet 16 team that's that's where it is and i i think we can leave it off with this little stat and uh, we'll talk about this more in depth once we do our preview but the friars are looking to be the first providence team to win a tournament game in back-to-back seasons since 72 73 that's how long it's been Buckle up. I'm ready to yeah. get hurt again. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. I think that's just about it for us. Um, oh, one last, since this is the media day recap, I will say, because I get to be there. Ed Cooley, man, he is in rare form these days. Just I letting everything fly, talking to the press. Like, I, I have, he was at a new level of just kind of being himself and not caring this year. I'm going to take, I mean, I already curse anyway. He doesn't give a shit. He, he... No, I, I heard... I think he he dropped about five f bombs in three sentences to me at one point. Nice. Uh, we were just like off on the side. It's like all right, yeah, I see how it is. He's he's letting it loose. And if you haven't seen his interview, he and Greg McDermott did one on Biggie's shoot around that is hilarious that. to watch. It, it, it is great content. Yeah, it is a must watch. So go check that out. We're talking figureheads of the conference. We mentioned that earlier. That's a great interview with the guys that are probably going to be the figureheads this year. Those are the yep. those are the, the new fathers of the Big East. But yeah, that's that's where we stand. A couple weeks now, less than a couple weeks until the season actually starts. Um, oh, and one more note because I mentioned mentioned this before. Providence plays Manhattan this year, and oh yeah, the state of that program right now. That game looks a little bit easier than it did. We're gonna be playing walk-ons that game, Matt. They're gonna give us green jerseys, and we're gonna go out there and play that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on, and I don't know what the coach did, but if you're firing a guy a week and a half before the season starts and you have the preseason conference player of the year transferring out, he better have done something seriously wrong for to justify that decision. <laughs> I, I, I can't even begin to imagine that, but like their players are transferring left and right. That program is in shambles right now. The last, the last time I saw it was six to seven guys are looking at transferring out oh with – like, yeah, the week before the season. And one of those guys was looking at the preseason player of the year. I saw he had an offer at DePaul. I think it was the only Big East school that's looked at him. Interesting. So, I saw Oregon. He's got a whole bunch of Power Six offers. Uh, I think a lot of Big East teams are just full up on scholarships. 
or yeah. not don't have time to add him to the rotation at this point. Like Providence, I don't have not seen them being interested in him. But that's something to note. That Manhattan game in I think about five and a half weeks time is looking a lot easier than it did for an easy game even about a week ago. Definition of a bye game. Yeah, that's one you cannot lose. No, if you lose that game, you fold up the season and you pack it away a, a, until 2023. Yeah, you might not see us for a while if that's what happens. <laughs> We're disassembling the flex if that happens. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't want to think about this. We're not going wood. We're ending on a good note. These are the last year's Big East regular season champions ready to go out there and defend the throne. We'll have one more episode for you, preview in the season before things get here, and a whole bunch of content for you on the season that's that's joe howie over there i'm matt st jean make sure you uh, give us a follow on twitter at the flex hoops follow our personal accounts at matt st dream at joe howie you should probably know us by now if you're listening to this but if you don't follow us already you should do that and uh thanks for watching thanks for listening ready for a great season go friars baby